Amen. Broken and spilled out. Yeah, it's, it's one of those counterintuitive truths of the good news of Jesus. That we've been created to be broken and spilled out for our Savior. For our Savior was broken and spilled out for us. It's not something we would uh, usually assign a positive meaning to. To be broken and spilled out. But that's what the good news is. That that we, we give until it feels good. I even had somebody call me this week and say, did you mess up? Yeah, isn't it you give until it hurts? It's like, no. This, this, this is the counterintuitive truth of the good news. That this is the nature of God. And so we give until, we, until it feels good. It just may be that we're, we give and it hurts because we're not giving enough. Not that we're giving too much. What I want us to do today is is walk through um, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verses um, 1 um, through 15. And and as Chris started at the beginning, and and look at this as Paul is talking about giving and and how really ultimately the point is to, to give until it feels good. Because that's the very nature of God and it's the very purpose for which we were created. Let's pray together. Gracious God, uh, we, we ask now as uh, we gather around your written word that, that you would continue to speak to us. Uh, you would, would teach us of your truth. Uh, lead us in uh, truly what is life and life to the full as you've created us. Uh, Correct us uh, where we've been uh, overly influenced by our own sin, by the evil one or the world around us. And uh, open our eyes to to your truth and and then even more to do it. Show us, uh, Lord, each one of us, different places and ways, Lord, that you're calling us to change. We know we haven't arrived. And so, Lord, we don't want to leave here just going through the motions. We want you to show each of us and us as a community where we're still falling short of you and where we might give even more for your glory and for the joy of following Jesus. In his name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting with verse 1, you can read along on the screen or you can uh, read on your pew Bible, starts on page 942. Hear the word of the Lord. Now it is not necessary for me to write you about the ministry to the saints, for I know your eagerness, which is the subject of my boasting about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I'm sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you may not prove to have been empty in this case, so that you may be ready, as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you're not ready, we will be humiliated to say nothing of you in this undertaking." 
So I thought it necessary to, to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for this bountiful gift that you've promised so that it may be ready as a voluntary gift and not as an extortion. The point is this. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you've made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, He scatters abroad, He gives to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God that He has given you. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, let's, we're going to just walk through this uh, a little bit. This, this passage really lends itself to, to be honest, my favorite way of walking through the Scriptures. Just good old, old school, expository um, uh, preaching. Just walking through what the passage is, is saying. In the first five verses, what we get here is that Paul's arranging here for the giving, uh, for the sake of the need in Jerusalem. And as, as Chris read earlier from earlier sort of sets the scene, it, both of these chapters even together, 8 and 9, uh, set this up of the, the needs of the church, particularly for the, the church in Jerusalem is on hard times, uh, and also just the needs of the church as they continue to do the, the work of sharing the good news of Jesus. Those are the, the, the purposes of the giving here and giving throughout the church. The, the, the needs of the people who are um, poor and the work of the church in terms of spreading the good news of Jesus around the world. Now, it's important to see a couple things here. One, that the church talks about money. It takes up two chapters here. So sometimes when I hear folks saying, why does the church talk about money? Well, because it always has. And uh, the money is a necessary tool, even in the beginning of the church, in order to accomplish the grand ministries of God. That God has so provided and distributed accordingly. And in, in addition, Jesus talks more about money than any other particular social issue because money is not just a neutral tool, but it has a power in and of itself. And we humans can, can very easily let money become God. Money becomes what we worship. Money becomes what we work for. Money becomes why we do things. The, the question isn't, well, would God want me to do it or not? The question is not, well, would God want me to buy it or not? Often the question is, well, can I afford it? 
And I submit to you that when that becomes the leading question, then money has become your God. Because as we've been saying all along, all that we have belongs to God. All that we have. A hundred percent. And whatever we purchase or buy, the question should be, God, is, is this wise? Is this your leading and guiding? Does money have a stranglehold on you? Is the reason you're bothered that the church ask, uh, talks about money, um, is the reason you're bothered by that because money has a stranglehold on you? Maybe the question isn't why does the church talk about money, it's the, maybe the question is why am I bothered that the church talks about money? Because it's what we've been doing all along. And it's important here to see that, that what Paul is promoting here is planned giving. You know, give until it feels good. Planned giving feels good. He, he's setting the scene here. Hey, get ready. We're coming and we want this to be a real celebration. There are physical needs of human beings around us. There's the work of the church to continue the, to continue to make followers of Jesus all around the world. So you need to be planning for this kind of significant getting. This is not just give if you got some left over. You know, you need to plan for this. Because if you don't plan for it, you, you won't give accordingly. At least that's my confession. If I don't plan for it, if it's just, well, I'll do it when, the, when, when I feel like it or when it happens, then you know what? I'm not going to spend well. And we've all got stories of great aunts and grandparents and all the rest who the first check they wrote every first of the month, which would be tomorrow, is the tithe to the church. Now, the assignment that you're going to be receiving, and now, deacons, y'all go ahead. I won't catch you by surprise. Y'all can go ahead and give these out. But, but one of the assignments here is to have a conversation with God this week about money. You know, to pray, to, to be, how, how am I doing with my spending and giving and savings? You know, from the beginning, we've been saying this is about a relationship, a conversation with God. And I'll add to that to be sure to ask God in the midst of this, am I planning my giving well? Am I, am I planning what you've entrusted to me so that I'm giving accordingly and I'm giving money according to your wishes? Because I don't want and I don't want you and you don't want to be spending more money on yourself than God has intended you to. And my tendency is, is if I don't plan from the beginning then I'm going to spend more money on myself than God intended. <clears throat> and that's not going to feel good. That does not lead to joy. It's not what we were created for. It's not the nature of God. So planned giving feels good. Talk about your budget with God and with others. Now, for the church, traditionally and historically, we, we've said largely you know, that 10% of our resources are given to the work of the church. 10%, the tithe. It comes from a, some of the Old Testament passages uh, where you took the, the first of your 10 sheep and, and the first of your 10 green peppers and the, the first of your 10 hay bales and you gave them to God. 
Um, and actually, that, that's really not complete. If you really look at the Old Testament, the, the general amount that was required of the people of Israel to give to the work of God, to give to the temple, was closer to 25 to 30 percent when you add all the other assorted offerings they were to give. It was well beyond 10 percent. When you look at the New Testament, well then, the pop, the top flies off. I mean, Jesus totally changes that around. Nowhere in the New Testament is 10% mentioned as the, uh, the, the, the place where we're to give. Matter of fact, Jesus really says over and over again, it's all God's. There was an occasion where Jesus was at a gathering in a worship service and a widow, a, a, a poor widow came forward and put both coins that she owned in the plate. And Jesus said, praise be to God, for this woman is the one who has given. Yeah, she gave it all. There, there's another time when Jesus met a, a, a ruler, a, a powerful ruler, but he was a, a godly man, wanted to be a godly man, but he was also very rich. And, and he came to Jesus wanting to know, you know, what, what do I need to give? And Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus said, well, here's what you do. Go sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and then come follow me. And we're told the man went away sad. So Jesus wanted to be clear. This is, this is not about some 10%. Well, you reach that 10% and you're done. I mean, this is about all that we have belongs to God. And, and so, yes, 10%, historically, traditionally, that's a good measure. That's a good goal for us to strive as our basic amount to give. Did you hear that? It's a good goal to strive for us to amount for the basic amount we give. Because there are many of us in this room that need to give more than 10%. That God has called us to give even more. And so I don't want to be the one to say 10% is the goal you shoot for. And therefore prevent you from the blessing of giving until it feels good. You see, this is, this is not about just keeping a budget. Those are important things and important things we're doing at other settings um, in the middle hour and in the budgeting generosity workshop. That's important stuff we need to do. But the core issue is the heart. So, planned giving feels really good. Let's look at chapter or verse 6 and 7. The point is this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you've made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now that's the theme of the day right there. You know, that, that give until it feels good. I mean, God has, has created us, has given to us so that we give and it feels good and it, it brings cheer, it brings joy. To give generously and cheerfully is what we were created to do. Paul's probably referring to a couple of Proverbs, one of which is Proverbs 22, 8, and 9. You know, it has the same kind of concept. Whoever sows injustice will reap calamity, and the rod of anger will fail. Well, those who are generous are blessed, for they share their bread with the poor. Give generously, give cheerfully, because that's what's healthy for you. That's what's good for our soul. It's the way that God is, and it's what we were created to do and to be. 
It teaches us when we give generously, when we give the way that God gives, it frees us from the power of money. Jesus talked, as I said, so much about money because of the power that it has over us and the ways that we can say money will bring happiness, success, and life. You see again how money is taking the place of God? We give cheerfully. That's important. That's a real important line. And I I need to give credit here to to John Piper, who I've been reading some, and and who brought this up and and asked the question, you know, look, I mean, God loves, God is pleased. God finds an, an affinity with, a joy even, with those who give cheerfully. That's... This isn't always what you want to do with the the scriptures, but I wonder if that means that God does not react that way who gives for other motives. Let's just think about that some. That that, that God doesn't really appreciate a reluctant giver, a begrudging giver, or even a guilty giver, a selfish giver. What God desires is a cheerful giver. You know, and in the in the first century, and I think much like today, there were philanthropic, wealthy class of people who gave for the purpose of notoriety and popularity and fame. Like today, when people give huge amounts of money so that their name can be on the stadium or on the building, they give for fame, prestige, or or privilege. Yeah, that, that works in the world, but God's not impressed. What God wants more than any in our hearts is to give generously and cheerfully. And that only comes because we've surrendered unto a God who gives so generously and cheerfully. Cheerful giving feels good. Verse 8 through 10. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, He scatters abroad, He gives to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of righteousness." From this one, it's faith-filled giving feels good. As we lean into and live into and grow into the truth that God owns it all and that God is generous, that God provides for our needs, He provides according to His plan, that as we live into that truth, then we are freed to give. We are freed from worry. And it feels good. Faith-filled giving feels good. That, that God, as we hear, will provide for our needs. That we will have enough of what is important to fulfill the needs that we have and the plans that God has. I mean, and notice that these needs are for this purpose. That they are fulfilled for the purpose of righteousness. You know, it's the, the harvest of righteousness. It's for ministry. It's for the work of God's people. The work of God's kingdom. We, we give cheerfully because we trust God's promises to care for our needs. We live into our, our faith that, that God is real and active and provides for us. 
We believe God will provide all that is necessary for the work of ministry in the church and in our lives. I mean, look, look at verse, verse 8 there. We share abundantly. We share abundantly in what? Every, you can say it with me, every good work. And then look at verse 10. God supplies seed and bread for sowing and increase. And again, the last words there. He provides so that we multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You see, he's increasing, he's giving, he's providing for us so that the ministry, the fullness of the work of the kingdom will flourish in our lives, in our community. It is not a health and wealth gospel. This is a great corrective to that. This is a perfect opportunity for Jesus, for Paul to say, if you give, then God will give. If you give a hundred, God will give a hundred thousand back to you. That's not what he says. He says something even greater. He says, if you give generously, then God will so give to you that your ministry, your harvest of righteousness will flourish. That's, that's good news. As we give then God will fulfill God's promises I mean, this is a, a great corrective on the, the health and wealth gospel I mean, and we don't have to look far to see that corrective I mean, just ask Jesus I mean, what ended up happening to him in this life just ask Paul what happened to his health just ask our brothers and sisters in Nigeria Just ask our brothers and sisters in Syria. What God promises is much greater than our health and wealth. He promises the fulfillment of abundance, of, of ministry, of righteousness. Faith-filled giving, trusting upon God's generosity, feels good. And in the last section, uh, starting with verse 11. You'll be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God that He has given you. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. And the last point here is that gratitude and glory to God feel good. And as we give generously and cheerfully, that leads to gratitude and glory to God. I mean, look at the, the, we are benefited in every way, he says. The benefits are that we are enriched, that needs are met by the church throughout the world. Thanksgiving response to God over and over again in, in verse 11. And when folks receive, they are blessed and they give thanks. 
You know, a couple of uh, weeks ago, I, I shared with you about how God gives according to our need. And He gives according to the work of His plan. And I said, you know, when I was a child, I asked regularly for Dr. Pepper and Snickers. And I'm very glad my mom didn't give it to me. But later that day, at the foot of my office door, was a 12-pack of Dr. Pepper and a 12-pack of Snickers with a note from someone who said, sometimes God even gives what we want. (laughs) When you give generously, and it overflows in that way, it feels good. And it tastes good. And it responds to someone's joy. And thanksgiving unto God. Now my colleague uh, Brian Tome over at Crossroads, uh, a friend, he can drink beer on stage. I don't think that's appropriate here. But a Dr. Pepper, I think we're okay. Gratitude and glory to God. And it's a glory to God that, that, that occurs because of our obedience to Him. Because we are getting in line with His character. That's exactly what Paul says here in verse 13. Your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ is what bring God's, brings God glory. You see, it's not that we give in order to keep the church going and all that stuff. That's a nice thing. I really appreciate it personally. My family as well. But we give generously because this is about the glory of God. Because the gospel is alive in us and it impacts even our checkbook. That's what brings glory to God. As the gospel isn't just a nice saying. It's not just a bumper sticker. But it's something that's so real and true that it affects that which will capture our heart more than anything else in this world. That is giving Until it feels good. That God is glorified. Planned giving feels good. So plan it. Go ahead. Start start to plan it. Cheerful giving feels good. Faith-filled giving feels good. Gratitude and glory to God feel good. Give until it feels good. This week, in addition to, to prayer, you got one other assignment that I think is just a feel-good assignment. It's going to feel good when you do it. Clean something out. Pick the closet. It, it, now, this that thing that you've been wanting to do all along, that, whether it's the garage, the closet, that extra room. Clean it out. It's the, clean it out. And, clean it out and then give until it feels good. Just give it that that stuff you haven't used in 10 years. You're probably not going to use it in the next 10. So go ahead. Clean it out. Give it away. Practice. and Be cheerful about it. And then go back into that room. It'll be so nice when it's clean, when it's set in order. And you get to start filling it up again for the next 10 years. Right? But when, when you're done, celebrate. Give Give until it feels good. Because it's the very nature of God to give. To give cheerfully. To give like Jesus. Amen.